0: You know when that line goes off, <laughs> I like to imagine. This is right the radio, by the way. I'm immediately launching into a sidebar. Thank you. When it says black hearts on my cardigan, yeah. I like a oh, cardigan. I like to imagine it's a cardigan that he's wearing like with black hearts. Drake would wear something like that, right? He's a lover boy, yeah, well, and he. Of course. First off. I just want to get this out of the way. His entire album sounds like a voicemail message that he's leaving to a woman. And it's very confusing.
1: Oh, that's his whole entire catalog. That's his vibe, voicemail to a woman. It's a
0: weird vibe, right? Like R. Kelly literally released that as a song, and it was fantastic. Real talk.
1: Real talk. (laughs) Real <laughs> talk. But this is right the radio. And uh that's Matt Marite. I'm Bobby Dubbs. And uh welcoming Bienvenue, Bienvenidos, welcome to Right the Radio. We're back. Uh gonna talk some sports. There's a lot going on this week. Mm-hmm. We're getting football back. Thursday, two days away from the part of the NFL season, Sunday for our beloved birds. So I asked you, Matt Marite, what are your projections for week one? What are you feeling? You feeling a W? You, you you feeling one set of players over the other? What side of the ball are you feeling? Anybody going to show out? What what do you got in that crystal ball of yours? Well, before we
0: launch into Predictionville, I would like to disavow any R. Kelly related statements.
1: <laughs> Please don't cancel us. Yeah, just Hashtag just remember I he's a that. he's
0: a terrible person that put out some fantastic art that will occasionally be referenced. <laughs> I'm sorry. It doesn't. I I just can't not think about bump and grind, right?
1: (laughs) Goodness, twelve play.
0: (laughs) It's the remix to ignition. Come on, that just can't not exist anymore in the world. Very influential. Anyway, so R. Kelly's bad person, but he yeah. The birds are playing the dirty birds, right? Eagles, Falcons, season opener. I don't like it. I don't like it one bit, Dubs. I got to tell you, we were just talking in the you know green room. Uh, Matt Ryan is a veteran quarterback. He's a guy with a couple more playoff wins. We're talking about his Hall of Fame candidacy, not if, but when,
1: right? Oh yeah, for sure.
0: He's a guy where if he has you know an Eli ring, he's an Eli. And, and, <laughs> yeah, exactly. If, if, if he has a David Tyree catch. If his defense and, you know, Dan Quinn don't take the biggest shit of all time in a Super Bowl game. So taking into account that you've got him, you've got a Calvin Ridley, and you've got a Kyle Pitts against a defense with a brand new coordinator. Nobody who can cover one of the most dynamic tight end prospects we've seen since what? Ever? Yeah, Ever. Since we thought, like, Kellen Wislow Jr. was going to be that kind of guy coming
1: out of college? Pretty much.
0: I mean, I don't see this as a very good scenario, right? They've got Calvin Ridley as number one. Even if Darius Slay locks him up completely, that frees up, you know, Stevie Nelson, who was only in camp for about half the time. And then we got Avante Maddox in the slot. He may be better suited there, but... You know, that means uh, that dude, who was it, Gage, yeah. who's a pretty decent receiver, may have himself a field day. He may have an advantageous matchup there. I, I, I don't like it. Uh, I know the Eagles are getting three and a half on the road. And I just, I have no idea what to expect from a Nick Sirianni offense. Right, and that's what's scaring me. I have no idea how this team is going to look or what to anticipate from them coming out for those offensive possessions.
1: I mean, I can understand your your trepidation for sure. Yeah, we have a lot of unknowns going into Sunday. My thing is this, and what I do know, what are the knowns, is last year Falcons didn't play good defense at all.
0: They did they, not. They, they know. were terrible. Yes,
1: and I haven't seen anything. Like significant, that's going to tell me they have remedied that problem to where everybody scores points in them. <laughs> no lead they have is safe. <laughs> Correct. I mean, the last time we saw this team and anybody cared, it was the old <laughs> "we can't recover an onside kick" fiasco. So it's like, it, as as much as it looks daunting on paper the their offense and our defense, I do feel kind of happy about. Our offense and their defense, I see this as a game that may be a bit on the high-scoring uh, side and a game we can win maybe if we have either the ball last or via our defense making a stop at some point. I believe we still have uh, opportunities to create pressure, get to the quarterback. That's a thing, just historically, they haven't really been good at keeping the pocket clean, keeping Matt Ryan upright. He gets hit a lot. Uh, they come sacks. They're a team, like, depending on what week you play, and we'll give out four or five sacks to a, a a player. And we've seen Matt Ryan, when he gets pressure, can make mistakes. He'll throw interceptions. He'll throw ducks. So I'm not, I'm not completely over the top, oh, this is immediately a win. But I did say, and I got to stand on my word, I was asked in the Bell and the Birdman Discord, everybody, you know, so I can't go back on it. I had the uh, Villa Capri uh, spicy habanero wings. (laughs) They were so hot. I told everybody I saw in the future. They asked me, well, what did I see? Did I see a W in that future is what uh, John Barger asked me? I said, yes. I'm sticking to that. I think they win the game. I think uh, they're able to get away at the end. I think there's going to be defensive lapses from Atlanta that allow them to get just enough space where they can hold them off and they win this game.
0: I think we're going to be seeing W's from food. You should save that for Saints Week. <laughs> you know, because we know Jameis loves to eat those W's. Uh, but eat a w. <laughs> You brought up an interesting point about Matt Ryan staying upright. And that leads me to something I was listening to Ross Tucker talk about today on the radio. The Eagles had the third most sacks of any team last year. Yes. Right? And that seems like an odd thing to say. Considering this year was such a disaster. But the defensive line was producing, right? Yeah, they had five players who had at least six. Yeah. Players. And now we've got a healthy Javon Hargreaves, right? Or Hargreaves. We've got Josh Sweat looking like a monster. Exactly. Right? Looking like the light can light skin Key Sweat. sweat. <laughs> We're staying on Drake today. <laughs> uh, you know, Derek Barnett's a pretty good number two. Right. And then you got BG, Carrigan. Either of them could break out for exactly. a game. Carrick I don't know.
1: Kerrigan's giving me uh Chris Long vibes? Chris yeah. Long vibes. Uh the guy still got it. Can he give you anything? Boom. Comes in there and his gangbusters. Count on a strip sack. Considerably less Carrick. tattoos. <laughs> Considerably less. But I think you can count on a couple of strip sacks this season from Ryan Kerrigan.
0: Right. He he's a veteran guy. He could have a really great presence there. But you know, we'll see how raring are these guys to go. How in shape are they really? Because right? we hadn't seen that preseason. Right? Who has to play themselves into shape? Who's ready for those immediate you know, contacts? Because right? if it takes a quarter, they could bury themselves in a hole very easily.
1: No, because I think sure. the
0: strength of this team is going to be in its run game. right, And the yeah. diversity that they have there. But if they get down immediately... Right, if that defense isn't locked, ready, prepared, then, you know, and we're forced to go to a passing attack immediately, yeah, things, I would think, it's going to get I hairy. Think
1: just to set the momentum right, I would think they if they start on defense, they need to start with a three and out. Yeah. They need to start with a three and out, get them off the field. A, turno- a turnover would be lovely. But at least a three and out, make sure they don't give up any points and then you go from there build their confidence cuz they Said this is a game where if they're keeping it close or whatever you could maybe count on Jalen and those guys to make a couple big plays that put them in a position to win But they're gonna have to keep it close. They're not gonna have to let it uh, get away from because you do not want a Team that young offensively to have to play from behind to speed their game up have to think on the fly because once you're behind and <laughs> you're losing in the game you then have to not only play your opponent but you're now playing the clock, which means you know everything speeds up you got to get to the line faster you want to get the plays out faster you want to rush and then those things tend to snowball you get even more and more mistakes. but I do ask this because we have different opinions on whether or not they win or lose. I ask you Matt for the outlook of the season, how important is it that they win week one is this one where eh, it's okay this division is bad it's okay if you starting that 0-1 hole or is it like no they need to like they need to start wanting to know if they got any prayer of being competitive if this is going to be a team we should actually get behind this season how important scale one to ten is a week one victory
0: in a weak division like the NFC East, not that important. C C
1: Caveats,
0: <laughs> right? And that well, well, that's what it is. It's a weak division projected to be at least. I don't think it's going to be all that important if they win Week One. What's going to be more important is the showing, right? If they get their doors blown off in Week One, that's immediately going to tank confidence in a Jalen Hurts, in a Nick Sirianni, in the philosophy, in what we've been talking about for the last you know four to six months. Right. If and then go
1: and get blown out week one. We're doing a union show at Hill of Capri next week. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. We're done. Right. <laughs> it's
0: going to be full hunt for Red October. I'm, exactly. Yeah. But in the grand scheme of things, this is a win they need to have with their schedule. Yes. Just based on the fact that there are some parts of it that are really tough. There are really tough stretches in there. This is this first stretch, I think, is the most difficult portion of the schedule. And I agree with you. I agree. Buying a win early is gonna help them along the
1: way. Yes. Greatly. And I agree with you. And I think it's very important also, like you said, I mean, these are the games they need to win. These are the games you looked on the schedule when you were told they were given a last place schedule. These are the teams they need to beat. These are the quote unquote bad teams. This team won the Falcons, that is, won four games last season. They were four and twelve. These are the games against the teams you'd be like, all right, these teams aren't that good. They weren't that good last year. How could they have gotten over one offseason. These are the teams that you go out there and you add up those victories and you bunch them up and you collect them for you know the tougher games down the road. You want to beat the Falcons. You want to beat the Jets. You want to beat teams like uh, Denver, maybe even in Oakland. They're always in the middle of the road. They can't seem to get past 500 or below it. But like, those teams, teams that you know aren't going to just knock your socks off that aren't super great if you can put up an effort that's strong enough to where you can come out with a W, you need to. You need to be clicking on all cylinders. Those are the games that you need to make sure you get the W because those other games, when they play, I think they play uh, Kansas City, and they're going to play Dallas, who's going to be tough, even though yeah. we don't want to admit it. Like game Tampa Bay, there's going to be games where they're going to lose. They're going to lose and they probably lose badly. You're going to have to expect that. So you need them to win the games where the opponent is either on their level, would seemingly be below their level, and, and thus and so. So, yeah, I think it's important to win game one. Or, Me, if I had a yeah. number, I'd probably give it an eight because I think this is where you can determine okay they're going to beat the teams they need to beat and then we can look forward to hyping them up in the games where they may not have that much of a chance or hey let's see if they can be competitive in this game but you got to at least beat the teams they tell you you're supposed to beat.
0: Or, or even if you know even if they don't win this game right being competitive with that team like if they can cover the spread right which is three and a half then it means it's a very close game right yeah And that's going to pay dividends probably later in a game uh, like uh, uh, you got against the Panthers, Mm -hmm. right? A similar sort of team. They're going through another transition with a new quarterback, right? They're in the second year of a different coach, sort of a different philosophy. So all, all these things add up, especially with how young the team is, how young the coaching staff is. If they're getting close, if they're only having to make minor adjustments, that's going to be huge for the team top down going forward right because it's not just the players right it's the coaches right Siriani's seeing his first real game action uh you know gannon mm-hmm. is you know really really has the reins on the defense now uh Strichen is building a, a game plan from scratch you know for this team for this quarterback for these receivers so it's i'm looking more for effort than a victory i want to see a victory i'm pulling for a victory but <laughs> Effort is going to be my big bugaboo going forward. <laughs> big, bugaboo, effort effort. And, and execution.
1: Yeah, I understand it. Because I can live with a loss if you gave it everything you had. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. they fought hard. They just weren't as good and they weren't good enough to win. Like, I can respect that. I just think from uh, a third perspective, like, it could do wonders for your season going forward. If you can come out here and get a win, uh, put yourself out there that somebody that the team they're supposed to be oh, yeah. they're going to beat and they're not going to lay down. So that'd be great. I have to ask you this also: going into this new season, like you named all those people, you named Gannon, uh, the OC, the new head coach Sirianni, uh, that new that young offense. Who do you think on this Eagles roster or on this coaching staff in this organization who has the most pressure on them going into Week One to show out, to show they were the right choice, they were the right person to put in the position they're in? Who you going with?
0: Well. Pressure. it has to be Jalen Hurts, right? There's not really... He's the most replaceable player on the team, right? Because now he has a Gardner Minshew behind him. He has the Eagles having two first-round draft picks next season sort of looming about, right? He's a guy that's playing for his career, whether it's here or elsewhere. So, I mean... Uh, it's probably the stock answer, but that's where the most
1: yeah, for, pressure is for me. And I, I completely agree with you. There's a lot of pressure on on Jalen Hurts, especially after like the way his tenure started with you know the guy he was replacing, not really not wanting him to mm-hmm. be here, getting drafted when people thought that was a complete mistake, and why was he drafted so high? And we thought we had a franchise guy who was pivotal to us winning. A championship, so, a championship. So I get it. I get the whole Jalen thing. My person, who I think has the fucking weight of the world on his shoulders, is Nick Sirianni, because we know how we get in this city. We know how we like to micromanage everybody that makes decisions for our teams. How we believe we're a better coach and GM than the people who actually get paid the money to do these jobs. And if he goes out there and he gets thoroughly out coached by uh who's in atlanta now so they fired quinn's so great after question quinn? <laughs> i don't even know who came after quinn and i know shanahan went to san francisco so who knows but if he gets coached by somebody who we can't even come up with a name for that's gonna be bad and you're gonna lose this fan base and we're gonna get what we got and it's gonna take a lot to get it back like we had and we you know we ain't bring up 2017, but how we had back then in those Doug Peterson years where, you know, certain radio stations won't be named, was calling him a stoonod.
0: Arthur <laughs> Smith.
1: Ar- oh yeah, Arthur Smith. So like we don't want him to get outcoached by Arthur Smith. We don't want already to have this uh notion, this narrative that he's a moron or he doesn't know what he's doing or he wasn't the right guy or we made a mistake. Because unless they go on like a crazy run, it's going to be hard to shake that. So for Nick Sirianni, I think you come out and you have a really good game plan. Um, You execute. Your team is in the game the entire game. Even if they don't win, as long as it looks like the team was in the game, they were focused, there weren't mental (laughs) mistakes. If I go out there, bless you, you, and I see a bunch of turnovers and penalties, I'm blaming him that's a coaching thing when you have turnovers and penalties or you got people in the wrong places They're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. You have mental mistakes that are costing you yards Maybe costing you drives points, whatever that's coaching issues I don't want to see that if that's the way they lose and it looks bad and they look sloppy Then you're gonna have an issue and he's gonna be already behind the eight ball He's already got a bulls eye on his head because people are just the way they are when they ever get somebody new. I mean, the rational fan is far and few between in this city. Let's be honest. So, you know, you look and see uh, what he can do and whether or not he can uh, get it done. So I think he's got a lot of pressure from anybody who's not actually putting on some pads on Sunday. You got to look at Nick Sirianni, who's, you know, the captain of the boat. And uh, everybody's looking at him and whether or not he's going to deliver and prove to this fan base that you know Jeffrey Lurie and company made the right decision when they hired him
0: I don't necessarily agree with you because I don't see Sirianni as like the key X's and O's guy I think he leaves that to his coordinators and he's in some type of motivational oversight right like like fine tuning tinkerer type Mm -hmm. role and I think we're going to see that evolve so I think we have to look maybe a little more harshly at the coordinators than Sirianni. But, yeah, everything is going to reflect on him ultimately, which, I mean, that's what happens when you're the coach, when you're the man in charge. So I don't know. I think he, we have to give him rope. I think that's what we have to preach now. okay. Give the man rope to hang himself with. Give
1: the man rope. <laughs> I like it. I like it. You give him rope to hang him with. Oh, man. So, I mean, I so we've got Matt thinks they're probably going to lose the game. I think they'll win. Uh, He thinks Jalen Hurts has the most pressure. I think it's Nick Sirianni. Um, Well, I really think it's Matt Ryan, but we're talking from
0: an Eagles standpoint. (laughs) Oh,
1: Matt Ryan. If Matt
0: Ryan can't beat like a brand new defense, right, then his career is basically done, right? Then he's in Joe Flacco territory where he's going to become a wandering backup.
1: Oh man, that would be terrible. After, Which sucks. Local product, Matt out, Ryan. Especially after the numbers he put up, winning an MVP and everything, getting to a Super Bowl and just become like another guy. Mm-hmm. You know, y- you hate to see that in people's careers. But uh, moving right along. Uh, unless you're we,
0: Barchard, who thinks he has a very punchable face.
1: Yeah, unless you're Bartridge. <laughs> he has a punchable face. But uh, you mentioned it earlier uh, about Red October. I do want to talk about the Phillies because just when they think you think they caved in and it's over, I'm like all right now I can give up, I don't have to watch anymore, they come roaring back. They were really hot in August. They've got it all the way to a game and a half out of first place in the division. The two games out of the wild, the second wild card. Um, Matt, I have to ask you: Will they make the playoffs?
0: They're they're Godfather three right now, but I think they're leaning. <laughs> towards the recently re-released uncut director's version which was much better right (laughs) if you're going to watch godfather 3 spend the money watch the dota edition (laughs) right this is how francis for coppola wanted his trilogy to end (laughs) and that is your local italian moment brought to you by, by liquid death by liquid death and salami Anyway, Uncured Genoa.
1: Uncured <laughs> Genoa. I love Salam. So go ahead. <laughs> right? Uh, just,
0: things are much that they just feel positive around the Phillies, yeah. right? It feels like they but found we've something. We've
1: this. We've felt this before. It was positive the other week but they won like eight, nine in a row. We were like, yeah, I, I think it's, it's the, the straw, straw hat. And then boom, right? Gone.
0: Ever since they started this straw hat business, right? They started having a little bit of fun. I think that works. I think somehow Freddie Galvis is a good veteran presence, right? He seems to have helped sort of turn the team and the attitudes around. There's trust in the infield, I think, for the first time this season. And I think that's going a long way for the team.
1: True, true. And speaking of straw hats, shout out to my man at Dan said that best straw hat in the business right now. (laughs) He looks good with the straw hat. But anyway... I, I think you're right. I think you're right. There are things that are coming together. They seem to be more assertive, especially like at the plate. They were they had a run where they were just scoring ball and knocking it into play like nobody has them. Yeah. I think it was like eight or nine straight games. They scored like seven runs. At yeah. Eight. So. They're they're, they got that on. They're becoming a little more consistent pitching wise. They they only went five
0: and two during that stretch. (laughs) Insanity, you know. Still managed to lose some games.
1: Exactly. I mean, we are still not completely consistent with Aaron Nola. Like you don't know Mm -hmm. what you're gonna get from him from week to week. But they, I think they have enough pitching where like they can win games against bad teams when they need to win games. And again, just like we talked about the Eagles. phillies aren't playing a murderer's row ending this month no they have the easiest (laughs) schedule left so you're looking at them if they do what they do and take care of business piling up wins and then the braves have to then follow that and they play a much tougher schedule so yeah i think it's possible i think they do make the playoffs either way maybe a wild card maybe it looked like it might be closer to getting the division because of who they play and who the braves play At the pool to the wild card, but I think they actually do get in, and then it's going to be fun come October.
0: Well, what's interesting about the wild card is right now they're chasing Cincinnati, but they could very well be chasing down this Brewers team that they're playing right now. Yes. Right? Because Cincinnati has the second easiest schedule lined up the rest of the way. So if they're able to overtake the Brewers, especially with the Phillies helping out right now, right? It could be a very, very tight race for that wild card. But just There's just something about the Braves. They're always there. It irks me, right? They've got a guy like Freddie Freeman. Yeah.
1: It's, but even when guys get hurt, yeah. it's like it doesn't, it yeah. doesn't matter. Right. They'd
0: lose Acuna and then start playing better.
1: Yeah. Right? It, yeah. How?
0: And they just they have more consistent pitching, I think. And that's going to be the real key. Can our hitting overcome their consistency? Can it stay hot? through september yeah i think Which i think he can i mean bryce is making a huge mvp push right now yes for sure i mean now he's got the home run totals up to 28 he's scoring runs like nobody's business it's it's really getting close because tatis isn't exactly hitting the cover off the ball yeah so the more bryce closes that gap i think the more votes and then he kind of siphons off
1: and then exactly he's also in the rbis you got more people getting on behind him He's no longer Homer Solo. Yeah, <laughs> and, you know he's no longer on his own, you know, fighting the evil empire. But uh, you know, I I think they got a chance. Like I said, I, I think they will, either way, whether it's division or it's the wild card. But I have to say this: I hate to be the, the, the negative Nelly on the program, but if they don't, and how safe do you think Giugi's job is? Like dude to the point where you go, um, do you cut bait with him? Is he completely gonna be made to take the blame for this? Will could he can he survive them not making the playoffs with the roster they have, the potential they have, what they've been able to do? Can he survive them not making the playoffs and like having one last disastrous run where they completely take themselves out of it? I,
0: I believe he should. And and I say this, thinking as thinking in terms of Dave Dombrowski is a long term baseball guy. He's you know been around the block, right? He knows what he has in a Joe Girardi, and he knows or he has to realize that what he gave him uh, this year from a bullpen standpoint was it, it was terrible, right? You can only do so much when you've got to run any El Dos Santos out there, right? Uh, and, you know, when you look at the collapse or the undevelopment of Alec Bohm, when you look at Reese Hoskins' injuries, right? When you look at the quest to find a center fielder, right? You have these pivotal positions and moments uh, throughout the season where... Joe Girardi did not get help from, you know, the players and he was just forced to plug play and pray. And uh, in that respect, I think Dombrowski will allow Girardi, you know, one more shot at it. They'll retool in the off season regardless, I think, because even if they do make the playoffs, I don't think they're world series bound by any stretch. Uh, even winning a three-game series is going to be very difficult for them because you, you get past Wheeler, you can't really trust anybody.
1: Exactly.
0: But, you know, that's that's just it. I, I think Girardi will get at least one more run with the team, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right because of the things you, you said and the fact that, that you know, they, they have gotten better in mm-hmm. certain areas from where they were before, under Gabe and whatnot, there are were, there were certain things that you saw that he does differently that did work out. You know, They're, they're a little bit better offensively. The bullpen, much better than the ones last yeah. year where no lead was safe. So there are things he's done that have made the team better, and he has managed well in certain areas. So I think people would have to hold their horses, kind of dial it back with the With the girardi rage as it were and kind of give this thing time to breathe see where they're at see what changes they can make in their off season if they don't make it and then or you know if they're out early and then go from there because i think like you said he at least deserves like one more crack at it where they make even more moves put even more guys maybe they add another arm or something like that where they get another legitimate arm to go with wheeler um, and then you know they can make another run at it. in a division, it's not like all of these teams are in a race to like separate themselves and go on some run, a la the Braves in the '90s, where they're just going, "All right, that team's going to mm-hmm. win the division every year." It's not like that. We've had uh, a couple of different division winners over the last couple of years, so you know it ha- hasn't been a sure thing for any team in this division. So that's why you got to kind of pump your brakes, fall back, let things work themselves out, and then you know. You see what you got with Joe Girardi.
0: Yeah, and this is one of those things where, right, with with baseball and managers, it's such a different job than, say, like we've been talking about Nick Sirianni uh, for the Eagles. Girardi, right, he's given the players, and there were, I don't want to say rules, but, you know, baseball is set in a certain way, right? You have 162 games, right, and it is what it is. You have to interpret trends, moods. You know, day-to-day play, but in some respects, you're pretty much locked into just sort of who you have, right? Yeah. That you get a guy like Ian Kennedy, he's your closer. He's got 18 saves. Nobody else on the roster has that. He's the closer, right? He (laughs) keeps giving up home runs. You know, what are you supposed to do? Right. He, yeah. he's still the closer, <laughs> right? The there's, fact, no, the closing. Yeah, there's not anything you can really do about it other than say, well, come on, Kennedy. Right. Go Pitch. get him next time. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, Attaboy. you, you just you so get stuck, right? Exactly. You know, somebody doesn't hit left-handed pitching. It's like, well, okay, who does? Oh, Brad Miller. All right, fine. <laughs> lefty lefty matchups. Hey, Travis, you're playing
1: center field. These are the cards you are dealt, with yeah. Joe Girardi, and you have to play them. It's not really out of his hands. Yeah, but there is one person we all at this point are ready to cut bait with. We're trying to figure out what's going on because he's now demanded the treat, and that's Ben Simmons in the Sixers. So, have we reached the point with all of this BS to where we'll take anything for Ben? Well, <laughs> no, I, like I, I've been, like, I've been
0: waiting to like, talk about this. That
1: salami sandwich, yeah. I probably trade for Ben right now. I've
0: been really? waiting to talk about this. We are not criticizing the NBA and Rich Paul enough. Rich Paul is a legitimate <laughs> villain. It's
1: been waiting for this Rich right? Paul <laughs> dig. Y'all know.
0: <laughs> First off, the fact that Adele, that angel that she is, can't see through to the devil. That is Rich Paul, just shows you how corrupt she's become, <laughs> right? How engulfed in <laughs> Hollywood drama she in is,
1: Adele.
0: right? Anyway, oh but right, he's he's running the league now, kind of like how Drew Rosenhaus was running the NFL, like in that mid-2000s oh, yeah. stretch, right, where you couldn't do anything Next without question. dealing with <laughs> Rosenhaus, right? It was who wants to? Yell. well, you got to bow down to Rosenhaus. Who wants this guy or Scott oh, yeah. Scott Boris in oh, Major League Baseball, yeah. right? But the NBA is a completely different animal because there are so few roster spots and everything is exactly. so connected. And, and look at what they're doing, doing out doing... in LA, right? It's it's damn near criminal. This is ridiculous. How is that not tampering? Did you see this? They're
1: called they're tall. They're getting Maxi out of charitable events. Did you see the stat? The only person who is not a starter on the 2013 NBA All-Star team that's not on either the Lakers or the Nets is Chris Paul. Yeah. Everyone else that started in that game plays for either the Lakers or the Nets—that is insane. Yeah, and like you said, with the way the rosters are concerned, and you only have so many spots. When you got four out of let's say thirteen in your lineup who are all signed to Rich Paul, how many players does that make when you go across the entire league? It's at least a third of every roster, right? And think it's about saying, think
0: about you know, the Nerlens Noel situation man. that's come yes. out in the news. Right, we're talking about Nerlens Noel was being sent multi-million dollar multi-year offers from the sixers right it was dying in rich paul's inbox right it was on his burner phone you never saw that, that, that. Nerlens didn't know about right <laughs> never saw that Leak. <laughs> and that ends up with al horford which results in us having a trade exemption, which just expired. Which comes Danny Green and his freaking podcast, where he's blasting us all the time. Exactly. Right. These are all Rich Paul dominoes that have fallen, and now Ben's on his way out of town. Right. And he, they're trying to drag Tyrese Maxey with him, but no, I'm holding on to Tyrese. Take Shake. I'll <laughs> take give shake, you a Shake. Take damn it. Shake. <laughs> take Shake. Gonna love of God. Take Shake. But. To get back to the original point, I think there's value in letting Ben rot, him <laughs> rot, right? Somebody's going to lose their point guard, somebody's going to be desperate for assists, somebody's going to lose a power forward, say, hey, we need a point forward, I guess that can be Ben, right? Ben's value right now is in keeping him healthy. Keeping him posting on Instagram, flexing oh, with man. his cars, you, you and, his giving the bleak five ten, and his 510 trainer while he hits you know fadeaways in that LA fitness he built in his house in Brentwood. Exactly. I don't care. Let him rot, find him,
1: recoup the money, <laughs> give it away. They didn't give him the, the bleak Griffin yeah. treatment, just have him sit and not play. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, no, you can come suit up. The Who cares? Bench, but she ain't getting in the game. Right, if he's
0: that done, you know, uh, apparently, yeah. what's it matter? Wait it out. It's, I don't want anything that the Timberwolves have to offer. Screw that. No. Yeah.
1: Is there anybody? Uh, through our, our, our next point is there anybody that they can get from you? Think where you're like you're not mad that you think it might be equal value that you're like immediately makes this team better.
0: Well, apparently, the the, the I guess the talk was he wants to go to California, so. I'm working out a deal with Sacramento, life or death. You know, I'm trying to get, you know, uh, De'Aaron Fox, a Marvin Bagley, one of the two, and some draft picks. I think that's I go for that. If, I think if, that's the only thing want, that works.
1: You want somebody with a perimeter game, some there's, scoring, some like that's going to shoot a basket. There's nothing say, the Clippers like,
0: can give us. The Lakers can give us. I don't think Golden State you wants to deal.
1: They, they may deal. I think right now you tell them who are they gonna give us. Eric Pascal. Hey, look at you, Pascal and Draymond. Yeah, <laughs> look at us, Pascal think, and think, and Kelly Oubre. You what Draymond does, I think Ben Simmons is an even better Draymond. So I think if there's some package where you're like, "All right, we'll take Draymond and what's his face that was supposed to be the next LeBron," I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I don't think. I think I, I think that's a, a trade Golden like. A deal Golden State would put up, and I wouldn't be shocked if the Sixers took it.
0: I don't think they do that. I think, like, at this point, they'll probably just start treating Draymond like a Udonis Haslam, right? Just a guy who's there and comes in to take fouls. But I think Draymond has, like, serious value in that locker room. I don't think he's going anywhere.
1: Yeah, for some reason, they hold on to him for dear life like he's, like, the next big thing. Mm Mm-hmm. So I don't know what. That who, is was about.
0: Like, who was that? Who was that rookie? Wiseman wasn't he supposed to be like yeah, the new y- guy? Yeah. Be the
1: the next big thing as far as uh, big guys. The way the league is supposed to be going, as far as like that's that's a guys. weird
0: fit. I think they're still working that. They're still working that out. But yeah, let him rot. <laughs>
1: let him rot. <laughs> I, was, I I just hate that. I hate when you have players you're paying not to play. Like I always, thought that sucked. Like I hate, like I hate it when we made the big trade and we got like, and I know that was injury stuff and and everything. But we got like Bynum and Jason mm-hmm. Richardson and like I never seen Jason Richardson yeah. play a game. Like I, I went to games he was in a suit and I was sitting directly behind him and yeah. I'm like, yo, dude, you're sitting here soaking up money and you're not doing anything. <laughs> No, don't ever do that to an NBA player who's like a foot taller than you. He turned around and told me to shut the <laughs> hell up. But <laughs> but that's the same thing. That irritates me. I hate these people being paid to just sit there and do nothing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it is what it is. It's the nature of the beast. I get it. So, you know, I, it is week one. And we've had some great week ones as Eagle fans. We had some not so great week ones. But I asked you, Matt Mary, you got any fond week one memories or the a game where you were like, oh, this season might 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 go some places. I like what I saw in this game, or it was some crazy play in the week one that just got you excited for a team, or where did you see something that you knew was an absolute fucking clusterfuck on a week one and you were like, Oh, this team is bad. We got problems. <laughs> I knew it was gonna
0: be a weird season and like but I was excited for it. It was, I forget what year it was. It was week one. Kevin Cobb was the starter. Ah. Goes down against, I believe it was Green Bay. Mm. And Mike Vick comes in and he's running everywhere. Right. And he's just going like he's doing everything we had always seen him do for the Falcons. And all of a sudden, he's in an Eagles uniform. Right. This is. I want to say this is still Andy Reid era. Yeah, yeah, it would definitely yeah. have been Andy Reid era.
1: It would have been uh, two thousand nine. Yeah, yeah, oh nine. Yep.
0: Mm. Yeah, that was that was a weird year, but it was it was fun to watch still. And I just I don't know something always stuck out about that game because I was so down on Cobb, mm. and then Vic came in and I was like, yes, finally something worth watching <laughs> that and i mean mcnav to week one.
1: Oh yeah that was a good one right. me me personally because i remember watching it and i remember the freaking commentators like going nuts like there was some big thing and it was like it was nice to see these guys who i think were like the it might have been the one team might be the one or two team it's probably the b team I think it might have been Kenny Moose and Goose, but it was the Deuce Daily pickle juice game against the Cowboys. Yep. You cowboy. yep. ran for 200 yards, and they were all talking about him drinking the pickle juice on the sidelines. And look at it, and look at him. And they kept going to it on the sidelines, him drinking the pickle juice. I'm like, what was that? Like, really a thing. What like, was
0: that, this- like 2000?
1: Yeah, I think mean, it was 2000. I'm like, yeah. yo, this is really a thing. Like, they're legit. Talking about this yeah. in Dallas in on Dallas, Dallas, the road because I think we got like a the onside kick, kick to yes. open
0: the open yeah. the season. Yes. yes,
1: that was we're not playing around, you know, like this is like we're legit, we're going for it.
0: Yeah, that was Andy throwing caution to the wind, right? Yeah, that was that
1: was 2000, September 3rd, 2000. Was that the ballsiest play of Andy Reid's coaching career? Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. On time to start a season, like here we are, NFL. Whether you like it or not, I think they went eleven and five that season. They didn't win a division. I think uh, the Giants might have won a division, mm-hmm. twelve and four. But uh, <laughs> that was like something. That's when you knew Andy, Andy Reid is legit. This is going to be the coach. What's crazy is while. that
0: na- now Andy has all the tools in the world. Would never call something like that.
1: Oh, not at all. Yeah. Yeah. Not at all. He's like, "Well, get the ball back. I'm not worried." Yeah, I, I was like, "That's crazy." I remember watching the game like, "This is insane," yeah. and then like the fact like that, that was during that really low area for the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. I think they were going like Dave Campo or something with <laughs> the coach. Like that was like really like before they got Parcells and were kind of good again.
0: Right. That was like that in between Aikman era.
1: Exactly when it uh,
0: they were starting anybody chain gaily
1: oh. <laughs> oh man remember was, the test a... of
0: remember the test of early years oh
1: my the cowboys goodness. i remember i remember <laughs> drew bledsoe years oh how many times did Drew bledsoe been replaced by somebody and that person <laughs> going on to have a career <laughs> <laughs> that's the fucked up thing you could ever see and drew bledsoe like the brady romo like every time he seems like all right i can get my footing i can get something new i got something going some guy. Yeah. Some random guy. <laughs> just comes to takes my spot and makes a career out of it. Now, Romo's getting $10 million a over at CBS. This is insane. He just. Holy <laughs> Romo. <laughs> Drew. What's <laughs> this? It through through Bledsoe's hardships have caused Tony Romo to be and, a multi And now they got Cooper
0: Rush right, waiting in the wings trying oh, yeah. to do the same thing to Dak. Oh, man. Right? Yeah, please tell after, after Dak romo Romo.
1: Exactly. <laughs> romo got romo They were like, what's that? Four, five, six, seven? <laughs> oh? oh, yeah. This, this guy's done. We're done with this yep. guy. And then that was it. Then they were like, oh, he's healthy. He could come back. And they didn't give Romo his job back. I, I, I felt some type of way. I was like, hey, he give the guys job Right? There there was like a competitors respect with Romo.
0: Right? He was a guy even though I hated him just for being the Dallas Cowboys quarterback yeah. and dating Jessica Simpson, <laughs> trying to steal her virtue. Steal her virtue. <laughs> it just right he 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 was there. He was the guy on the other side of the line and he fought hard, right? The dude didn't give up. He had some serious lows and he kept slinging the ball around, right? He cost them a playoff run as yeah. a holder,
1: but yeah. Oh man. When he, I remember, I remember that game. I remember I was on a bus somewhere and I forget where I was going. I might've been, was I going to, I was, I, I think I was going home. I was going home from work and my cousin had got on the bus. He's big Cowboys fan. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching the game on my phone and him messing up the hole and him being sick <laughs> on the bus with his head down. I don't want to talk about it. Shut the hell up. Don't say nothing to me. I'm like, yo, dude, you had it. Almost
0: it. I, I remember the pump fake, too. Okay. And like that moment is like when I knew it's like, It's oh, he's done. Yeah, hey, He ain't gonna make it. Yeah. <laughs> But when he tried to pump like he's across the line of scrimmage. He has no idea what he wants to do.
1: Exactly. He's there in the lights. He's scrambling. He has no idea what's going to go on, what's going to happen next. It's just, oh, man, got to love football. You got to love football. Uh, week one, we won Thursday, the season opener, speaking of the Cowboys. Who you got? The uh, Bucs and the uh, Cowboys. Bucks. You Got the Bucs. Is that is that Fox or CBS? Uh I'm not sure who's got the. Third or is that game, NBC? That game. It should be NBC. They usually get the kickoff game, but I'm not sure. Please no. <laughs> you got a problem with Collinsworth? Yes.
0: That's the only good thing about there not being football. 9 months out of the year, I don't have to listen to think about consider Chris Collinsworth. <laughs> right?
1: This is true this And is on it's, NBC, sorry. Oh.
0: <laughs> right, like Al Michaels is like playing out the rest of his career, right? Kind of like Willie Mays did. Only Chris Collinsworth is the Mets, right? Chris, Chris Collinsworth is that evil part that we don't want to remember of a great
1: broadcaster. He He's he's dragging Al Michaels down. <laughs> he's dragging Al Michaels down. I like the line, though. I think that's a Cowboys line. I think you, you take that. Right now, the Bucks are an eight-point favorite. That is a cap. Wait, uh, in Dallas? Uh or on the road. Game is I think it's in Tampa. Yeah, game's in Tampa.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, no. I, I wouldn't take that.
1: You think they're gonna get blown out? Yeah. <laughs>
0: right. There's no continuity, right? So, we we have no idea what Dak's shoulders like. I'm
1: taking that as a new in advice that I should start Tom Brady on Thursday. I mean I would, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm gonna do that now. I got Tom Brady in the Bucks defense. I think I'm good to go. Ooh. I think that's a week one win. <laughs> Ooh!
0: I had my final fantasy draft last night, and it was it was a doozy.
1: Yeah, me too. I was doing like five things at once. I was setting up this other podcast, and I was doing the fantasy draft. And my buddy came over. He went to watch TV. I've been been watching Clickbeat on Netflix. You should check that out if you haven't seen it. Very very good. But uh, yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know,
0: I have an interesting draft strategy. That I will share with everyone. As a multi-time fantasy champion, multi-time people, multi-time. I always draft my quarterbacks last. That's the
1: thing. I I, think about
0: any quarterback in this league will put up points. Right? Tannehill scoring, Stafford scoring, Jared Goff will throw the ball around.
1: Exactly. I had a guy who went the last. He didn't win the whole league, but he got to the playoffs, namely because the last four weeks of the season, like maybe a year or two years ago, he rode with Jameis Winston. Yeah. And Jameis was putting up 350 every game and three touchdowns. Even though they were losing those games, or he might have had a couple interceptions, the interceptions weren't that bad, and they weren't pick sixes, pick sixes, so they didn't hurt you that bad in terms of fantasy. And he was putting up 30 40 points every week with jamis yeah and that's how he had got as far as he got but yeah it's
0: a si- it's a simple formula you draft your number one running back you take three receivers you get another running back you get your tight end and then rookies
1: <laughs> i i, I kind of like that i always had well, my, my running backs and my receivers i try to go like if i'm going to get a really good quarterback i might go like i go five six maybe seven, and then like the tight end, and then I'm just alternating receiver, <laughs> running back, receiver, running back. And I always look for running backs because I play a lot of PPRs, running backs mm-hmm. that catch the ball as well. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> you're just going to gobble up points with somebody who gets a crazy amount of carries and they throw them the ball. Or it's somebody who catches it more than they throw it because like, people will sleep on guys like Duke Johnson who will have like 70 catches a season and you don't yeah. realize it. Or like, uh,
0: you know, like if you were doing a dynasty league this year, Kenneth Gainwell is a dude to pick and stash. Definitely.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But I think that is going to be it for us here at Right The Radio. Uh, We had some fun. We're ready for Sunday. Remember, you can go see me. Believe Matt, you'll be there, right? Sunday? Yeah. Bell and the Birdman. Yeah. Yeah, We'll be at Villa Capri uh, Sports Bar and Pizzeria up in Doyletown. All over my social medias Where you can find me At Robin Whitney on Twitter Robin on Instagram You can type Robin Whitney in your Facebook search bar there You will find me And you can go to Amazon Type my name in the search bar there You will see my book, Hope Over Hurt Go get it, I think it's 10 bucks Help me out a lot (laughs) Matt Where can they find you? You can find me Other than Rich Paul's mentions Yeah (laughs) You can find
0: me in Adele's DMs trying to <laughs> speak put, some reason to this woman. <laughs> trying to put a wedge in there.
1: Adele, you don't need him. <laughs> Go back to England, start smoking again. Speaking of Drake, he's like, I'm just saying, you could do better.
0: <laughs> also, Drake is massively contradictory. Okay, he talks about, oh, I, I'm losing friends but gaining peace, and that's a fair trade. On the yeah, same album, white, the man says, I got to build. Uh, another pool house because my team is so big.
1: Yeah, Which yeah, is it, I mean, Drake?
0: Are you losing friends or is your team getting bigger?
1: Uh, you're right. Doesn't make a lot of sense. I digress. Aubrey, get it together. Go to Twitter.
0: Matthew Maratea. That's the full name, right? Yeah, we're going with full names here. People. Yeah, yeah. Full government. Matthew, two T's, an H, an E, and a W. And then Maratea, M-A-R-A-T-E-A. You find the Twitter. You'll find the link tree. You will find Everything. And also, we're big here on Bell and the Birdman, right? So that's what you need to follow as well. Bell and the Birdman.
1: Get into the Discord. Join the text group. Go to Bell and the Bird on Twitter. Join us. Talk to us. We're always in the Discord talking junk, talking Eagles football. You'll love it. We have a ball there. And we'll be be at Via Capri on Sunday. Exactly.
0: And when we're not there, we're here to Last Out Media Studios. Exactly. I'll do it. We'll see you. Murder your thirst. (laughs)